Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up, BFW's weekly show where we hit on all of the latest and greatest news of the week. And what a week it's been. If you listen to my preview show uh, for the FC Cole match, you, you probably got the hint that I was big-time disappointed in how Bayern Munich performed last week against RB Leipzig. Very frustrated with the team and the club as a whole right now, given some of the decisions that were made, how the team has played, some of the coaching decisions that were made. It, it has been uh, a very lackluster period if you are a Bayern Munich fan, because this second half of the season <clears throat> has been filled with frustration, questioning, and even this week, we saw more perplexing issues, more things rise up that we didn't expect. So I guess we should just hit it and start talking about those big issues, because if you just want me to sit here and complain about all the things the club has done wrong, I could probably go on for hours, but that's not why you're here. At least I think that's not why you're here. Uh, so let's get down to it. Uh, the biggest news that dropped this week, and, and it's pretty incredible given how things have uh, taken shape in recent months, but Reports out of France broke that Luca Hernandez has reached a, an agreement on personal terms with Paris Saint-Germain uh, on a contract. So this would be the precursor to a potential transfer this summer. Now, if you go back and want to even rewind all the way back to the fall, I was sitting in this same seat saying the same things. And I had this feeling that Luca Hernandez was not necessarily going to be one of those Bayern lifers uh, once he came over from Atletico Madrid. I thought that Hernandez would start to explore his options this summer. I thought PSG was one of those places he could end up. And lo and behold, here we are months later. And this is the exact scenario that Luca Hernandez is in. And I, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back because Evers, you all know if you listen to this show, sometimes I say things and they are off. Occasionally I get some things right. But for whatever reason, I had this inclination about Hernandez and how he had spoken about his contract and a potential contract extension that he was not 100% convinced that re-upping with Bayern Munich would be the best thing for his career. Now, if you want to look at what the stories have said this week, you could see that maybe there was some of that involved in his decision. But apparently one of the big things was that Bayern Munich did not offer him a contract extension when he was injured. Instead, they deflected talks to a later date, which apparently rubbed his camp the wrong way. Now, I don't have a problem with Bayern Munich's approach to this. Hernandez tore his ACL at the World Cup. He has he has a history of injuries, uh, particularly knee issues. So Byron being a little bit conservative with its approach to Luca Hernandez and putting and putting together a new deal for him, I, I'm okay with that. I feel like that's a good prudent move. The other issue that I think Hernandez was turned off by, if the reports are accurate, is that Bayern Munich offered him the same salary and not an increase, which I can imagine that was irritating to Hernandez. Now, from his perspective, when he's played, he's been very good. He's been a leader on the defense, and he's been an exceptional performer. From Bayern Munich's perspective, 
they probably see a player who is extremely talented, very good, but has availability issues. And if you want to go back to the old cliche, your best ability is your availability. <laughs> so uh, Hernandez has definitely had some, some trouble staying active. And it led me to do a little bit of research. And if you read my post uh, from Thursday, actually it was re- released overnight on Friday. Uh, I detailed the numbers and what exactly Hernandez has missed because I wanted to be sure, because sometimes when we talk about players, we have the perception that maybe they were more injured than we think. But when it comes to Hernandez, he certainly has spent a lot of time on the sidelines. Now, overall in his career, her transfer marked Hernandez has missed 81 games and 754 days of activity, which means he's missed games or practices. Uh, or times when he should have been uh, available to the club. So that's almost, I mean, it's over two years uh, of his career, which I think, I believe he's 28. So, uh, and I will double check on that, but you know, that's a lot of time. And for a player like Hernandez who plays such a vital position uh, at center back and Hernandez is 27, by the way, uh, that's a lot of time for him to miss. Now, when it comes to Bayern Munich, the numbers are actually kind of staggering with him. Uh, he has missed 65 games and 481 days of activity. So it, I get it. Bayern Munich was totally correct in not jumping in and offering him a deal with a raise when he just tore his ACL. I, I get it. I, listen, for Hernandez, his game is predicated on speed and explosiveness. Yes, he's a very good defender, but part of what allows him to be such a unique and good defender at his size, because he, he is not a tall center back. He is on the shorter end of things for a center back, but he plays with aggression and he uses his foot speed and explosiveness to make up for his lack of height. There is no guarantee that when he comes back from this ACL that, one, he's going to be fully healthy. Two, that he's not going to require more rest than usual because he is battling ongoing knee issues. And three, if he doesn't have that same speed and explosiveness, and by explosiveness I mean that that burst that you have from five to ten yards to get going or to change directions or to be able to track someone down to make a play, if you don't have that and you're Hernandez – That will take away from your game. And Bayern Munich did the right thing. They needed to take a conservative approach with Hernandez here. And and honestly, I think Hernandez is terrific. I I wasn't so sure about him when Bayern Munich acquired him. I thought it was a big risk. I believe it was an 80 million euro transfer. It was the club's record transfer. And I was worried about his injuries back then. And I will tell you this. He performed much better than I thought he would. Now, the injuries still were an issue. But I think Hernandez is is a really, really sensational player. And I think that he is a difference maker on the back line. And if you told me Byron was going to play a back four next season, I'd be ecstatic if Hernandez and DeLict were the center back pairing. I think they would complement each other so well. The problem is now PSG has inserted itself in. And the prospect of a Hernandez-DeLict partnership at center back is probably not going to happen. Bayern Munich is in a scenario where they have to cash out on Hernandez. If indeed these reports are true and Hernandez has an agreement with PSG, 
Bayern Munich has one year left of Hernandez's contract. Bayern Munich has already been burned by letting good players walk away for free. They can't afford to do it again. If Hernandez is dead set on leaving, the best thing to do is to cut ties now. See what you can get from PSG. I'm assuming even though PSG is deep pocketed and they could probably afford 80 million euro for Hernandez, I'm going to guess they're not going to pay that because he is a player coming off an ACL injury. And the market, quite frankly, is not going to be there for anyone to really want to pay 80 million. So while I think Byron is going to go in and target 80, I think more likely you could see 50 to 60 with maybe some bonuses tied in or some incentives tied in that would pay Bayern Munich more if Hernandez were to reach certain milestones or if PSG was to win certain trophies, namely the Champions League. So I would expect something like that to happen if Hernandez does indeed decide to move the PSG and Bayern wants to get a deal done. It would be catastrophic to just, to me, to trade in the whatever it might be, 50 to 60 million euro for one more year of Hernandez when you already have Delict, Dio Upamakano, and Benjamin Pavar on the roster. Now, Pavar is another interesting case because he also is entering the final year of his contract. And he, again, we use the term lame duck contract here in the US, and Pavar is entering his lame duck season. Bayern Munich is going to have to make a very difficult decision with him as well. Right now, if you look at the four center backs, and given that Hernandez is not available, I have Pavar rated as the number two center back behind Delict. I have him slightly ahead of Upamakano. Again, not a knock on Upamakano. Pavar has been better this season than Upamakano. It's tough to say that after last week because because Pavar had a couple of big gaffes in that match against RB Leipzig. But overall, Pavar has been better than Upamakano. I'm pretty confident in saying that. Uh, and I think Upamakano has been very good. So either way this breaks out, I'm fine with what Bayern Munich has at center back. But they are going to have to make a tough decision on Pavar because if they don't believe he's going to re-up or he's going to ink his deal, they need to sell him as well. And sure, all of this incoming revenue is going to help Bayern Munich's pursuit of a number nine and a number six, which they are rumored to want, but it's also going to wreak havoc on the depth of the back line. It's going to cause Bayern to have to go out and spend because if they're going to run a back four, they need three starting caliber quality center backs. And you can't convince me otherwise. So if they keep Pavar, they have that. And you can rotate the Lick, Upamakano, and Pavar. And I think you have a very good trio of center backs. If they need to sell Pavar, you can chalk up 30 to 40 million probably to go out and get a decent center back. So th- this whole scenario with Hernandez is, is not coming at a great time. Byron's got a lot of tough decisions they're going to have to make. And while certain reports emanating from France stated that Byron was aware of what was going on with Hernandez. This certainly comes in conflict to what we saw just a couple of weeks ago when Byron basically said, or I don't know if I'm I don't want to say they said, but it was reported that Byron was expecting Hernandez's deal to get done. It was really just a matter of inking the contract. Now it appears Hernandez has changed his mind. He might want to move on to PSG. And Byron is going to have to quickly figure out what its stance is on Benjamin Pavar because If he's not coming back, they need to sell him ASAP too and start their planning for next season. So 
Hernandez is definitely going to leave a hole. He he is going to be missed in terms of what he brought to the team if he does leave. But in the end, I'm not totally broken up about it because as much as I've criticized Brazo over the years, he did set the team up to be covered in this area. Now, if they were playing a back three and you needed four starting caliber center backs, they'd be in some trouble. But given that all indications point that Byron's going to settle in on a 4-2-3-1 for next season, we saw reports about that this week, then I think you're okay with Upa Makano, Pavar, and Delict. Again, Pavar being the wild card that he is, Byron could have to go out and buy another center back as well. Cause I don't believe they have anyone on campus that is ready to be considered starting caliber. I don't think they have anybody quite at that quality just yet. And, you know, you could look at the, de- the development of the players on campus and you could start to think about maybe why some of those players over the years have not gotten to this level. Uh, I think there's a big problem. You could probably spend an entire show looking at some of the struggles Byron has had in developing players, particularly on the back line. So, uh, yeah, that's probably a show for another day, but Hernandez is really sparking some movement at this point. Byron's going to have to figure things out and react quickly. But as for fans, I know there's a lot of reaction right now, and a lot of people are unhappy with Hernandez, and a lot of people you know, are saying some things that they won't miss him. And and I get that part of it. It's frustrating. He did, probably doesn't want to be with Byron if the reports are true. So fans aren't, it's natural to feel that way. I will say that, you know, he is a quality player. He has been a good citizen, although some things in his past have not necessarily been great. Uh, for the most part, he's kept his no, nose clean in Bavaria. And uh, he was a good player for Bayern Munich. It's unfortunate things might end this way. And that there might be the perception that Byron didn't do enough. But I think that they handled the situation the best you possibly could. A player coming off that kind of injury with the injury history that he has had, I don't see why anyone would want to dive in and just offer the man a ton of money. It seems very silly to me that his side would be offended by that. Although I do see their point in, with the salary. If Byron Munich truly did not offer him a raise, I don't know anyone that doesn't want more money. So Uh, I totally get that part of it. Uh, We are going to take a quick break right here and uh, just hang in with us. We'll be right back after this commercial break. And uh, we've got a lot more to talk about. So hang in there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the weekend warm up podcast. Appreciate you hanging in for that segment on Luca Hernandez and the latest that has gone on with him. Uh, This has truly been a crazy period at Bayern Munich. Uh, And that Hernandez news that broke this week was certainly uh, one of the crazier stories that we've seen in weeks. And this has been a season filled with uh, really nutty stories. One of the other big uh, issues of the week was Byron's rumored legitimate interest in West Ham midfielder Declan Rice. Now, Rice is a player that fits into that defensive midfielder mold that so many fans are clamoring for that we have heard that the club really wants. Rice is one, all the reports are, he's a very talented player. He does fit that number six role. And listen, he's a player who's probably going to make any team that he goes to much, much better. What is it going to take to get Rice? Probably about 80 million euro. Uh, Who are you competing with? Arsenal, Manchester City, uh, potentially Newcastle, potentially Manchester United potentially Chelsea. 
basically Byron's going to have to outslug a, a bevy of Premier League heavyweights. And I, in my mind, financially, that's probably not possible. Even if they have to sell Hernandez, even if they have to sell Pavar, even if they sell Gravenberg or other players, which believe me, if they're getting Rice, Gravenberg is out the door and potentially Goretzka as well. Uh, but either way, if, if Byron is really going to contend with Rice, they're going to have for Rice. They're going to have to commit to a couple of things. They're going to have to commit to paying about eighty to ninety million euro. They're going to have to commit to making it work with him as the number six. You cannot gamble on this. You cannot decide when he gets here that you want to continue on with the Kimmich and Goretzka combination. If you're going to get Rice, the Kim Gore connection is gone. I mean, you have to get rid of it because. I mean, what the hell? What are you going to do with all of that? You can't spend that much on rice and then decide to keep things status quo. So if you're going in for rice, you have to go in for rice. Uh, They're going to have to pay him a ton. Chances are he might end up being their highest paid player. It's already upset the apple cart enough that Mane jumped jumped the line and got ahead of Neuer and Muller and took Robert Lewandowski's place on the top of the salary pyramid for Bayern Munich rice might do that. And if that happens, you know, it's going to have a ripple effect on some players, probably not Muller or Neuer who are toward the end of their career. And even though it's only a year difference, uh, I get the feeling that they are probably more focused on the club and getting things right with the club than having the highest salary, but a player like Kimmich, I could see being very annoyed with that. Uh, a player like Delict, who it looks like he's going to be a foundational piece of this club moving forward, maybe he would be annoyed with it, but maybe not because it's also only his second year with the club. Either way, you're going to have to pay a lot of money for Declan Rice. And legitimately, it's a fair question. Can a deal for Rice get done? Yes, it can. But will it? Probably not. I don't see anything that indicates that Rice wants to leave England. I don't know that he's going to be able to pass up an opportunity to play for some of the clubs that are rumored to be interested in him. Arsenal appears to be the leader in the clubhouse for Rice. It just seems like that's going to be a natural fit. Arsenal's had a resurgence. They can pay the money. He gets to stay in England. It all makes too much sense. Now, it's nice to think that Bayern Munich's going to be able to jump in and get him. I just don't see it happening. And when I talked about bringing in Rice and the the necessity of breaking up Kimmich and Goretzka, I think that's legitimate. And, you know, as I've stated a million times, I still think Kimmich and Goretzka can work together. I think that can be a winning combination in the midfield. I think bringing in Limer is going to be a good compliment. He can do some things. Perhaps he can alter his game a little bit to play the six at times and free Kimmich up from a role that he either doesn't want to play or that the club does not want him to play and being the defensive midfielder. But either way, I think Limer can come in and be that complimentary piece. Will he be happy going from being a starter with Arbe Leipzig to essentially a bench player for Bayern Munich? I don't know. I mean, could that be a short-term acquisition? Maybe. I mean, we saw how it worked out with Marcel Sabitzer, who never really could grasp not being a starter. And I don't blame Sabitzer for that, just like I wouldn't blame Limer for that. You have also have the case of Ryan Gravenberg, who by all reports still badly wants to move to Liverpool, who in turn badly won him. Byron seems reluctant to sell him, but if Byron does go all in for Rice, if they can somehow convince him to come in, you can almost assure yourself that 
Gravenberg will go and then Goretzka will be highly thinking about a move as well. So I don't think a deal for West Ham's rights will get done. I think Bayern Munich could do it if they wanted to. I think they could offer the money to West Ham to get a deal done. I think they could offer the financial package to Rice to give him the personal terms that he might desire. I just don't think he's going to pick Bayern Munich over some other teams like Manchester City or Arsenal. And this is exactly how I felt about Harry Kane. I have a lot of trouble thinking that these English stars are are ready to leave the Premier League when there is this ongoing perception in Europe that the Bundesliga is a farmer's league. And while I might think that's ridiculous and you might think that's ridiculous, it's out there. And let's be honest, we know how the, the media works in England. If Rice does leave, he'll be torched. And there'll be many stories about him taking the easy way out, going to a farmer's league, avoiding the, the Premier League, blah, blah, blah. We will see that. We'll see stories about... Uh, Rice being ready or not for the next World Cup selection because he's played in an inferior league. We all know this. These are the kind of things that, that that break in England once a move like this could happen. So I don't anticipate Rice moving on. Even if Byron can meet all of those stringent financial demands, I just don't see it happening. We also saw what it really amounted to a wild ride with uh, Juventus striker Dusan Vlahovic this weekend oh, or last weekend. Now, over last weekend, and I believe it was Sunday, we saw stories break that Bayern Munich was legitimately interested in Vlahovic and that they were going to submit an offer. Now, those reports came from one being Fabrizio Romano, who is pretty reliable and I think has been on top of many different transfer rumors, especially involving Bayern Munich. Once those stories broke, we saw counter stories released pretty quickly after that by the German media, reiterating the previous reports that we had seen that Bayern Munich is not interested in Vlahovic and will not make an offer on him. This could be a situation where Brazo is sandbagging because he does not want the information to get out. We have definitely seen some things happen like this, but it also could just be legitimate because we have seen that Bayern is reportedly extremely interested in I tracked Frankfurt striker Randall Kolo Moani, and with Kolo Moani, it's very difficult. We've talked about him at length. I don't know that he's exactly what Bayern Munich needs or exactly what they're looking for, but it seems like they're going to pay for him. And the sale of a player like Hernandez or Pavard, I mean, that's going to go a long way in financing a move for Kolo Moani. I think Vlahovic would be a cheaper option. I actually think he would be a better option and is probably someone who could get his career back on track. I know he has statistically not had a good season this year, but I think surrounded by the talent that he would have at Bayern Munich, being in an environment that's more focused on fitness and honestly better training, I think he would fit in well, just like Matthijs Delict did. When Delict first showed up, I think a lot of people forget. Now, there was a lot of hype about him. But he started slow. His fitness just wasn't there. And it wasn't that he didn't have quality, but he just wasn't where he needed to be fitness-wise. And I would expect the same thing to be true of Vlahovic. It's just not a focus at Juventus. And I don't know why it's like that there. I think it's a huge disservice to their players that so many of them are unable to really start quickly at new clubs because they're battling their own fitness. But I think Vlahovic would be someone who could 
really benefit from a fresh start. And given that he would be a cheaper option by all accounts, I would go in that direction. It does not appear that Bayern Munich wants to do that. And if they don't, I think they're going to end up overpaying for Colo Moani, who this week we saw has made Bayern Munich his number one destination. Uh, it, it, it's all very interesting. It really is. Colo Moani, of course, has interest from PSG as well. I would not be shocked if he ultimately goes to PSG. I've been talking about that for a couple of weeks. Mbappe wants him there. PSG needs to make a splash. They're apparently going to make one with Hernandez. Wouldn't shock me if they wanted to replace Messi and Neymar with Colo Moani, although I don't think he could nearly give you the output that those two players did. Either way, uh, as much as we're seeing that that Colo Moani wants Bayern and Bayern wants Colo Moani, I'd be very shocked if PSG came in with a big offer and he selected Bayern over PSG. Either way, Byron's going to make it a fight. They're going to compete for him. Although, in my mind, they should be taking a closer look at Blahovic and seeing if they can get a, a good deal on him and work with him. Uh, I think he could be that target man they desire. I think that if Byron really is going to make the 4-2-3-1 a permanent fixture again, they need a target man. They need someone who's going to operate in tight spaces, someone who's going to be able to use a bigger frame to battle big center backs. And, and listen, Colomwani is not a small guy either. He's very tall. I believe he's six foot three. Doesn't quite have the bulk of Lahovich, but you know, he in my mind, he works best operating in space. I don't think that he's going to be the kind of striker that's going to be uh relegated to the box. I think Colomwani works best when he's moving around exploring different areas, whereas Vlahovic, I think, genuinely could be that target man that would really, I think, thrive in a situation like Bayern Munich's where you have a lot of talented wingers, you have good attacking midfielders who can find the striker and who actively look for the striker. I mean, this isn't a, a, a case like FC Barcelona where you have players trying to be heroes and ignoring Robert Lewandowski. Uh, Byron actively looks to get the ball to their striker. And I know under Julian Nagelsmann, that wasn't always the case. And that was partly why Robert Lewandowski was frustrated at times under Nagelsmann. But under Tuchel, I would expect everything to go back to really how it was with Flick, where Lewandowski was the focal point of the offense. I would expect the striker in Tuchel's version of the 4-2-3-1 to occupy that same role. So you need to have someone that has good touch around the net, someone that can finish, I think Vlahovic would be that guy, but I don't know again if if that will happen. I'm personally hoping Brazo sandbagging a little bit here, but I don't know if that's the case. Finally, the last thing I wanted to touch on was about fan frustration. And as I've said many, many times, it's okay to be frustrated if you're a fan. It's okay to be unhappy. It's okay to be disappointed. You do not have to wear the banner of the club all the time. Right now, this season, Bayern Munich has given its fans many, many reasons to be unhappy. They had some questionable acquisitions and losses during last year's summer transfer window. There was a real lack of squad planning that led to coaches being put, and I have to say coaches because they had two this season, being put in tough spots and picking lineups, figuring out who works best in what formations, figuring out what positions were best. A lot of a lot of times I do think that players are guessing about what their role is and what they're supposed to be doing. And some of that is on the shoulders of the players for 
not being focused enough, not understanding enough what they need to do. But some of it is on the coaching. And the fact that these coaches, both Nagelsmann and Tuchel, spent a good chunk of their time this season trying to figure out how to make this all work. Because this was a roster of ill-fitting pieces. The plan to use Thomas Muller as a striker was completely flawed. So you saw Nagelsmann go to a 4 triple two to try and offset that. Then he quickly bailed out of that. We saw a couple different variations, and then he had settled in on what looked like a, a back three-based formation that was going to feature three center backs, which great. Uh, that's a strength of the team, plus Muller and Musiala working together as tandem tens. Now, you could argue whether that formation was a 3-4-2-1 or a 3-4-1-2, but either way, you had Musiala and Muller both operating centrally and really creating a good tandem and partnership there. It didn't work, obviously, because Nagelsmann got canned. Now, I think long-term, it would have been the best option for this team this season, and then Byron could have reevaluated, decided what formation it wanted to use after the season, and we all could have lived our lives happily. Tuchel took over, spent weeks figuring out what he needed to do. It just didn't work, and it hasn't worked. And I don't think the team has responded to him. And I think one thing that Bayern Munich underestimated is that players talk. And while Tuchel, by all accounts, has a decent rapport with his players, I've said this a million times, he will grind them down over the course of a season or two. And it does create issues within teams. We saw it with Dortmund. We saw it with PSG. And we saw it with Chelsea. For whatever reason, Tuchel is a... Very smart man, a very good coach, but he has relationship issues. Uh, and I do think that players talk, they get a they get an idea of what a coach is like, and I think they go into things a little bit skeptical of everything is not completely on the up and up. And with Tuchel, I, I think that there was enough out there that players know about him. They know what he is capable of in terms of being a good coach, but they also know that there are some bad parts to his relationship management and his communication. And I think it's made Byron's roster a little bit distrustful. I think a lot of them were scorned about what happened with Nagelsmann and whether they liked Nagelsmann or not, the timing of it all sabotaged the season. So I think there is a lot of ill will from the players to the front office. And conversely, we're now seeing reports that the, that the front office is questioning the mentality of the players. So if all of this stuff is true, why should Bayern Munich fans feel good about this season? It's been a debacle. There was, the, in my mind, an early exit from the Pokal. Uh, and if you want to listen, I know Manchester City was a tough matchup, but to go out against them like Bayern Munich did, was it left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. It was not the way a team, the quality of Bayern Munich should go out against even a team as good as Manchester City is. And then to lose, or potentially lose, let me catch myself with that, the league title in a collapse of epic proportions, it's frustrating. And now we see more issues between the front office and the players in terms of what's happening with Hernandez. And no matter how you feel about Hernandez staying or leaving, the fact that just a couple of weeks ago, a deal was considered a formality and now he's potentially on his way to PSG, it's a problem. There is a big time disconnect between the club and its fans at this moment. And 
fans should be unhappy. Fans should voice that. And fans should be demanding better from the club at this point. They have not made good footballing decisions. They have not made good managerial decisions. And they have not set this team up for success the way that a club should. Who takes responsibility for that? In my mind, it's a little bit of everyone. Yes, the supervisory board for okaying all of this mess. The executives for even having the idea that a coaching change at that stage of the season was going to do anything productive aside of create even more issues, which again, not productive at all on a team like Bayern Munich. Then you have the players who by and large, I don't think had great individual seasons. There are very few players you could look at on this roster and say he had a great season. I think you could say DeLict was pretty fantastic. I think overall Kimmich was pretty good, although you could really look at him and say part of the reason Byron has struggled is because he can't decide whether he wants to be a six or an eight. Kingsley Coman, he's been good, not great, but those would be the three players I would look at the most. And if I'm Bayern Munich and I'm a club executive, I'm examining the roster pretty closely about who should stay and who should go. And I probably wouldn't even be sure because it's, you can't like, you can't just have a fire sale and get rid of everyone. You can't, you need some stability, but there has been enough underperforming on the field there's been enough disorganization in the executive suites, and there's been a lack of vision and direction from the supervisory board that has made this season a complete train wreck. And what, no matter what anyone wants to say, this has been a terrible season. And you can look at the record and say, well, they have more wins and losses overall. You know, it hasn't been that bad. It has. It has been that bad because it shouldn't ever be this bad. A club that has been so historically stable, a club that has a good bankroll, they shouldn't make decisions like they've made. They have made rushed, panic pickups in terms of transfers. The coaching change, which I talk about every week, and it's it, quite frankly becoming annoying to keep referencing, but it, it did play a role in the season. And just the overall lack of direction. It, it's it, it has irked me from last summer moving forward, that it, there does not appear to be any way or any journey or any map that's leading this club to make decisions. They just seem to be deciding things on the fly and reacting rather than being proactive. And it's become annoying. So if you're a fan, I'm not going to tell you you should be out burning your jersey or anything stupid like that, but you should be frustrated. You should demand more from this club. And they should give you more. They absolutely should. And, you know, when when you look at people and there was a lot of criticism about fans walking out of the Arbe Leipzig match, listen, I can sit here and tell you that that it, it was, you know, it was a small section of fans, but it was a bad look in some ways, but I don't blame those fans because they were frustrated and it's been building up and building up. And if that's how they wanted to display their frustration, I've got no problem with it. I, I think that fans across the board for Bayern Munich this year are irritated. I think they're fed up and I think they need to see something next year. Unfortunately, if I was a betting man, I would say the team's going to get off to a slow start. Tuchel's going to be sacked by mid-year and then this whole process will start again. I don't know why I feel that way. 
and maybe I'm beaten down by having to live the coverage of this team day to day over the course of this season. And, and listen, it's a very spoiled attitude in a lot of ways. Like it's not like we're covering Schalke or something over the past five years. And you know, it's been one mess after another. Um, but you know, Bayern Munich has a certain set of standards. They have not lived up to it this season. And I do believe that fans have every right to be frustrated. They have every right to, to be annoyed with how things have played out and they should be skeptical leading into next season. So I think that's where we're at at BFW. At least that's where I am. I can't speak for all of the writers and podcasters, but I'm very frustrated. Um, um, I have found this season to be extremely annoying and uh, I'm hoping for better, but uh, we'll see how they close out against FC Colm. If you get a chance, check out my preview show on that. Love to hear what you think about how this match is going to play out and also what things might look like moving forward. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get our Tweetmeister at TommyAdam71. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get all of our great podcasters and writers at BavarianFootballWorks.com. We do a fantastic job of trying to cover everything. Listen, we can't hit it all, but we hit a lot of it. So uh, check it out if you want all of the latest and greatest news on Bayern Munich in Germany. Enjoy this final match of the season. It has been a crazy journey. I was glad to be able to go through it with all of you here at the weekend warm-up. Of course, we will continue on with this podcast and then update the season number once the new season officially starts uh, this summer. So uh, hang with us. We'll still be here every week. And uh, hey, I'm going to try and enjoy this match. I'm going to have some fun with it. I'm hoping that the team can go out on a good note and get a win. But uh, in the end, at least I'll have a couple of beers while I'm watching it. I hope you do too. So uh, have a great weekend and we will see you next time.